How many are happy to be in God's house this morning? Can you say amen? Amen. This has been an incredibly trying week, not only in our nation, but in the world. It's been a week of tragedy and a week of terror. The tragedies have cropped up in many different places. We saw in West Texas the explosion in the fertilizer, uh, the fertilizer uh, factory that uh, was so detrimental and so destructive and so tragic in that region. We also saw in the Sichuan province in China yesterday, there was a major earthquake in which more than 200 people are dead and more than 11,000 people are injured. And uh, just a few years ago, there was a major earthquake in that same region that killed more than 90,000 people. And so this is an incredibly traumatic uh, happening there in that region. Not only that, we have seen the terror of the Boston bombing at the Boston Marathon this week, which shook the very fabric of our nation and shook the world. And terror, when it strikes any part of our nation, shakes our entire nation and causes us to feel somewhat unstable and insecure because if they can hit the Boston Marathon, they can hit the beta breakers. And if they can hit the beta breakers, they can hit baseball games, basketball games. In other words, whenever terror strikes any one part of our nation, it reminds us of our vulnerability. We have the FBI and we have the CIA and we have the police force and we have all of these different intelligence agencies, but as sophisticated as our intelligence is and as sophisticated as our security measures are, someone can walk into a marathon with, with bombs and pressure cookers and wreak havoc on our nation. And when we see terror and when we see tragedy strike our nation, there's always a temptation to fear and there's a temptation to be anxious and there's a temptation to be afraid. But I'm here to tell you today that the response of believers in Jesus Christ, both to terror and to tragedy, is not fear, but resolve. Now, yes, we must take the time to mourn with those who mourn. We must take the time to grieve. I'll never forget 9-11. I'll never forget the feeling of powerlessness I felt when I saw on the news report what broke my heart more than anything else was on the news report that there were people buried beneath piles and piles and piles of rubble who still had cell phone reception and they were conscious and they were calling their family members and crying out to their family members, I'm stuck down here, I'm trapped down here. And their family members were just able to talk to them for for just a few minutes on the phone or sometimes even hours on the phone until their cell phone batteries died. But that was the last contact they had with them because they were never able to get them out of that rubble. And I remember just weeping as I began to hear those reports and and to see the devastation that terror has brought upon our country. We must understand that our stance is that we will not be terrified. That our stance is that tragedy cannot undo our faith in Jesus Christ. Understand that as insecure and as unsafe things may be, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. And when the rest of our nation begins to see that the believers in Jesus Christ are standing their ground in the midst of terror and in the midst of tragedy, and that there's a security in us, that there's a safety in us that they don't have, they will begin to hunger and thirst for the presence of Jesus Christ in their lives as we have hungered and thirsted for the presence of Jesus Christ that brings safety and security to our lives. 
But what I wish to say to you today is that we are living in the last days and that Jesus spoke of these things. Jesus said that in the last days that there would be wars and rumors of wars, that there would be earthquakes in diverse places, and he said that these were the beginning of birth pains. And we are living in the day and in the time in which these words of Jesus are coming to pass, and that the body of Christ is in the midst of childbirth. We are giving birth to the purpose of God in the earth, and God is in the midst of bringing his end-time program to a close. It's easy for us to look at the interim between the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and his second coming and begin to feel so secure as if he's not coming. But these tragedies are a wake-up call to us that the time is short. We're also seeing the problem with North Korea right now, the imminent threat of attack from North Korea, that North Korea could attack South Korea at any time. North Korea could even attack the United States in, in some locations any time. And those people, you know, that guy is crazy in there, and he's just crazy enough to do it. And so when we look at these imminent threats and imminent attacks and imminent disasters and imminent tragedies, we are tempted to fear and we're tempted to feel anxious. But my admonition to you today is that we do not give in to the temptation to fear. And we do not give in to the temptation to be anxious, but instead we hear the call of the Spirit. And the call of the Spirit of God is a call to reclaim the wild. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, reclaim the wild. It's time for us to reclaim the wild. Now, what I want to suggest to you today is that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are a fighter. Amen. You're a fighter. You're not a failure, you're a fighter. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if you've been knocked down as long as you make a decision to get back up. Right. And your call as a believer in Jesus Christ is the call to fight the good fight of faith. Amen. Paul said it in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18. He said, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the pro prophecies previously made concerning you, so that by them you may wage the good warfare. He said, Timothy, I want you to learn how to wage the good warfare. He said it again in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. He said, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith. Let me tell you something. There's such a thing as a good fight. Amen. I know that we've been taught since we're little that we're not supposed to get in fights, but I'm here to tell you that there's such a thing as a good fight. There, the good fight is the fight that you're supposed to be fighting. Now there are some fights that you're supposed to be fighting and some fights that you're not supposed to be fighting. And the greatest problem in the body of Christ is that believers are fighting pr fights that they're not supposed to have anything to do with. And they're not fighting fights that they're supposed to be all up in. And if we don't know how to wage the good warfare, the devil is going to give the church a black eye and we're just going to sit down on the ground and cry about it. And, and let me tell you something. The good fight is a good fight. It's a fight of faith. Amen. If you are fighting to continue to believe in the face of adversity, you're fighting the good fight. Amen. If you're fighting to get back up when the devil knocks you down on the way to your destiny, you're fighting the good fight. If you're fighting for hope, even though everything seems hopeless around you, you're fighting the good fight. If you're fighting to refuse to give up on your dream, even though your hopes have been dashed and come to nothing, you're fighting the good fight. 
If you're fighting to continue to believe for your marriage, even though it feels like everything is over and done with, it's come to an end and there's no hope for it, but you're fighting to believe for it, you're fighting the good fight. Let me tell you something. If you're fighting for your destiny, you're fighting the good fight. But if you're fighting with people, you're not fighting the good fight. Fighting with people who are in the way of your destiny is not the fight that you're supposed to fight. Listen, the only fight you're supposed to fight is a fight that is between you and your destiny. And you are not wrestling against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places, against the rulers of the darkness of this age. And the only way to wage the good warfare is to put on the whole armor of God so that you might stand your ground against the wiles of the devil. Amen. And so we've got to learn how to fight the good fight. Fighting the good fight is not infighting. Fighting the good fight is not backbiting. Fighting the good fight is not criticizing. Fighting the good fight is not judging. Fighting the good fight is not assessing and evaluating. Fighting the good fight is not pointing the finger. But fighting the good fight is standing your ground against the wiles of the devil and saying, I don't care what comes against me. I'm going to have my destiny. I'm going to have what God has laid hold of me for. Come on, somebody. And so we got to learn how to fight the good fight. But one of the reasons why the church of Jesus Christ is not able to fight the good fight in this age is because, by and large, we have become domesticated. The church is not supposed to be a zoo. It's supposed to be a jungle. Follow me. The church is not supposed to be a zoo. It's supposed to be a jungle. You're supposed to be a tiger in the wild, not a tiger in captivity. Now, the scripture says that the righteous are as bold as a lion. But how many know that lions in captivity are not very bold? The righteous are as bold as a lion in the wild, not a lion in captivity. And there is a difference between a wild lion and a domesticated lion. And the first difference is that a domesticated lion has become dependent. You see, a lion in the wild wakes up every morning knowing that if he's going to eat, he's going to have to hunt. A domesticated lion wakes up in the morning looking for something to kill. A domesticated lion wakes up in the morning and says, I'm hungry and Filling my stomach is my responsibility. A domesticated lion doesn't expect anybody to give him anything. A domesticated lion doesn't expect anything to be laid in his den for him to eat. A domesticated lion doesn't waste his time blaming other people for what he doesn't have. And blaming, he doesn't wake up in the morning and say, if only my mama would have given me this, and if only my daddy would have done this, and if only the people on my job did me right, and if only my kids respected me, and if only I went to this school or a better school I would have more a, a wild lion wakes up in the morning and says my claws are sharp and my teeth are sharp and I'm going to find me something to kill the first thing that happens when a lion is put into captivity is that it becomes dependent because instead of hunting for his food the zookeeper comes and throws already killed meat inside his cage Already pre-killed meat is the worst thing you can give a lion. The lion eating that pre-killed meat doesn't even feel like a lion anymore. He begins to doubt that he's a lion. Am I a lion? I don't feel like a lion. Do I even look like a lion? 
pre-killed meat. Have you ever wondered why when you walk by the cage of the lion at the zoo, the lion doesn't spring at you? You ever think about that? I mean, you come right up there, you're looking, look at that lion, and where is it? If you notice, you can never even see the lions at the zoo. (laughs) Way up there over the hill, all you see is his little tail come up and down. You ever wonder, and there's this chasm between you and the lion, you know? Little moat. You ever wonder why the lion doesn't stand there at the edge of it and go, ah, 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 you know, like he wants to devour you? You know why? Because he's been in captivity so long that he knows it's not possible to devour you. He sees food walking right in front of him, but he doesn't even get up anymore because he's been convinced you can't get to it. You're going to see it, but you're not going to get to it. You can't hunt anymore. You can't see something, want it, and take it. Instead, you just have to take what's given to you. The church has become domesticated. We have become dependent and we've forgotten how to hunt for our food. How many times have you heard somebody say, I had to leave that church because I wasn't being fed? Somebody said, I was starving to death at that church. Let me tell you something. There is no excuse for you to starve to death. You're a grown man. You're a grown woman. Can't nobody starve me to death. I don't care if you put me in a, in a church full of heathen where nobody's saved. I'm going to eat. You know why? Because I know that I'm responsible to feed myself. I'm not in a zoo where you got to throw me pre-killed meat. I'm not domestic. I'm not dependent upon the preacher for my sustenance. I'm dependent upon God for my sustenance. And I know where to go when I want something to eat. See, that's why I don't understand skinny people. No, because skinny people forget to eat. Does that make any sense to you? Hear somebody say, oh my God, why do I feel so weak? Oh, it's because it's 9 p.m. and I haven't eaten yet today. It just dawned on me that I haven't eaten yet today. Say, wait a minute. You, tell, you, you, you mean to tell me you got up this morning and dressed yourself and left the house without eating? Yeah. Why? Well, because I woke up late. That's no excuse. And you mean to tell me that you worked right through your lunch and didn't get nothing to eat? Well, yeah, I was busy. That's no excuse. You are responsible to feed yourself. You forget to eat. That's irresponsibility. And that's the worst kind of irresponsibility. Nobody's responsible to feed you. You're a grown man. You're a grown woman. You go get you something to eat. Let me tell you something. I know busy. I've had times when I've been so busy that it felt like I didn't even have time to stop and pee. But no matter how busy I am, you're not going to find me on a day where I forget to eat. Listen, if I don't eat, it's a choice. If I don't eat, I'm fasting. It is not forgetfulness. I don't forget to eat. I take responsibility. See, the problem is I take too much responsibility. I need... Some of us not only need to take responsibility to eat, we need to take responsibility for what we eat. But that's another message. Coming back to this message. You can't starve to death when you're a child of God. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Indwelt by God himself. Rivers of living water bursting from your innermost being. What are you talking about? You starving to death in that church. Let me tell you something. You need to get it out of your head that you go to the church to get fed. You don't go to church to get fed. You go to the church to get your teeth and claws sharpened. So that you can leave the church house and hunt for some food for yourself. You need to be hunting and eating all week long. You need to leave the church and open up your Bible and go hunting for some revelation. 
You need to leave the church and go into your prayer closet and go hunt for the presence of God. God is waiting for you, but he ain't waiting at the zoo. You think God's presence lives in a cage and you can just come by it and visit. No, God is in the wild, in the jungle. And he's saying, if you would pursue me and search for me with all of your heart, I will be found of you. You need to treat God like he's your prey. Mm. Come on, somebody. The first mark of domestication is dependence. I'm dependent on someone else to feed me. And I feel entitled. You're supposed to feed me. How come I was hungry and you didn't bring me anything to eat? How come I was in prison and you didn't visit me? How come I was naked and you didn't clothe me, but yet you forget that Jesus said this of the least of these brothers of his. He didn't say it of mature, on fire, grown up believers in Jesus Christ. Grown up believers in Jesus Christ said, I was hungry and I fed myself. And when you came to visit me, we sat down at the table and broke bread together. You didn't have to feed me and I didn't have to feed you. But you know what we did? We fellowshiped, which means we fed one another. Are you with me this morning? And so God wants to take us beyond that place of dependence. Because if you're at that place of dependence, you have been domesticated. And God wants to break you out of the zoo. Second mark of domestication is safety. When they put a lion in a cage, they put him there first and foremost to protect you from him. You ever seen those private zoos? You know, where people have lions and tigers and cages in their backyard? It's foolishness. People go to these private zoos and they go home with one arm taken off. You know, the, they don't realize the bars on the gates are too wide and lion. Oh, look at the lion. And the lion reaches through and grab. I mean, there's been horror stories of people being grabbed by lions and snatched inside the cage and devoured. You know, I mean. You know, that, that, you know, but I'm talking about a real zoo, you know, a real zoo where that cage is designed to protect you from the lion, but it's also designed to protect the lion. It keeps the lion safe. Why? Because a lion in the jungle is always on the alert. He knows that he's not safe, but he does. He's not crying about feeling safe. You never see a lion in the jungle going, I don't feel safe. There's other lions around. They want to take my place. A lion in the jungle's on the alert, and he walks around going, I wish a ninja would try to take my space. This is my territory. I wish a ninja would come up on my territory. I wish another lion would step on my foot. I wish another lion would just say something about my mama. It's about to be. I wish another tiger would come and try to take my territory. You see, a lion knows in the jungle that he's got to take territory and he's got to defend that territory. And he's not about feeling safe. Matter of fact, a lion never feels unsafe. You can't make a lion feel unsafe. A lion makes everything else feel unsafe. You see, when a lion hears a sound in the bushes, he thinks it's dinner. But when a deer hears a sound in the bushes, he thinks it's a lion. I'm out. And most believers live like deer and not as lions. Because you hear a sound and you think, I'm out. It's an attack. 
But God wants to teach you how to be as bold as a lion in the wild that says, as soon as you hear a sound in the bushes, there's a victory waiting for me. You need to see every problem in your life as a victory waiting for you to pounce on it and devour it. But what do believers in the church want? I just want to feel safe. Would you uh, share your testimony with us next Sunday? I don't feel comfortable. (laughs) Would you serve this ministry? I don't feel comfortable. (laughs) Do you ever share the gospel with anybody out on the street? I wouldn't feel comfortable. (laughs) How about going on this mission trip? No, I wouldn't feel comfortable. I wouldn't feel comfortable unless there's nice toilets there. I wouldn't feel comfortable sleeping in that environment. I couldn't eat the food. I wouldn't feel comfortable. I wouldn't feel comfortable. Too many bougie Christians in the body of Christ. If you're looking for safety in this world, you're looking in the wrong place. There is no security in this world. There is no safety in this world. But God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in time of trouble. Therefore we will not be moved. Let me tell you something. The earth may be moved. The mountains may crumble and fall into the midst of the sea. And the the ocean may roar. The waves with their surging. Selah. You need to learn how to open up your mouth and say Selah. When everything starts falling apart around you. You need to say Selah. Come on. You say what does that mean? I don't know. But whatever it means. It means I don't understand it. But I don't have to understand it. I wasn't looking at that thing anyway. Selah. (laughs) I don't feel comfortable. (laughs) Who promised you comfortable? Since when is the service of the Lord supposed to be about being comfortable? About feeling safe. Let me tell you something. Your comfort zone is protecting you from your destiny. And in order to get to your destiny, you got to break out of your comfort zone. This morning in my blog, I talked about palace slaves. Moses was a palace slave. His brothers were field slaves. And there's a difference. I'm not talking about the difference between a house slave and a field slave which is so common in our cultural understanding of slavery from African-American history. Moses was not a house slave. He was a palace slave. And I'll tell you the difference. A house slave is simply a slave that serves in the house and not in the field. But a palace slave is a slave that gets served in the palace. You see, Moses was a palace slave, meaning he got served. He didn't think he was a slave. But the scripture says that one day Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He woke up and realized that he was just as much a slave in the palace as his brothers were in the field. And so it says, by faith he forsook Egypt, choosing rather to suffer shame with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. The palace was extremely comfortable. And when Moses left the palace, he left it for the desert. And the desert was extremely uncomfortable. You know, if I'm giving up a palace for Jesus, he better have a nicer palace for me the next day. 
You ever prayed that? Lord, look what I gave up. I gave up comfort. You're supposed to make me more comfortable. Moses was out in the wilderness for 40 years. This is what I gave up the palace for. You thought God had another palace waiting for you. He had a wilderness waiting for you. Why? Because he said, Moses, I got to get you ready for your destiny. And can't no bougie palace dweller deliver Israel from Egypt. I got to put you out in the desert and suck all of that bourgeois stuff out of you. I got to get all of that luxury and palace lifestyle out of you. Why? Because all you know is palace slavery. I'm going to teach you desert freedom. Safety is the mark of domestication. Everyone's safe. And the reason everyone's safe is because everyone is controlled. Everyone is on a leash. Everyone knows you can go this far and no more. Controlled. Satan wants you to be safe. Let me tell you something. If Jesus was anything, he was unsafe. He was dangerous. And believers in Jesus Christ should be dangerous. You know, when Samuel the prophet visited Bethlehem, the elders of the city met him at the gate trembling and said, do you come in peace? And he said, yeah, I come in peace. They said, oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let me tell you something. When you walk into a place, people should feel unsafe. Not because you're coming and bringing condemnation and judgment and criticism and fear, but because you're coming and bringing such a radical, scandalous love of Jesus Christ that they don't know what to do with it. The third mark of domestication is comfort. You walk by that lion's cage at the zoo and they make it the most comfortable environment for the lion. Those lions are just sleeping, lounging. That's why don't nobody even want to see the lions at the zoo anymore. They never get up. Come on, roar or something. They forgot how to roar. When lions don't even know how to roar anymore. They yawn. That's all they know how to do. When was the last time the roar of the lion of the tribe of Judah came out of you? When was the last time you roared in the face of the devil? When was the last time you roared in the place of sickness and affliction? Do you even know what your roar sounds like or have you forgotten how to roar? Let me tell you something. If you've forgotten how to roar, you've been domesticated. <laughs> yeah, tweet that. <laughs> I want to be fed. I want to feel safe. And I want to be comfortable. <laughs> and you're living in a zoo. Jesus wants to break you out of the zoo. And take you back into the wild. But how... Do you go into the wild? How do you allow, how can God break you out of the zoo and take you back into the wild? First, you got to get hungry again. You got to get hungry again. You got to get hungry again. Let me tell you how you can discern whether you are domesticated or living in the wild. A lion in the wild is hungry for conquest. He's looking for something to kill. A lion at the zoo is looking for comfort. Yeah. He's looking for a nice place to sleep. Yeah. When you dream, what are you dreaming about? Mm. 
Are you dreaming about doing something to change the world? Something to change your environment? I mean, working on something that's significant, that changes people's lives? Creating something meaningful and significant? Are you dreaming about conquest? About taking some aspect of your destiny and making it live? Are you dreaming about doing something that might even require you to work 12-hour days to bring it to pass? See, we take that passage of Scripture where Paul said, Be anxious for nothing, and we, we misapply it. How come you're not doing nothing with your life? Oh, because Paul said, be anxious for nothing. No, you need to get some, you need to be anxious about something. Get a job. (laughs) Come on. And not just a job, but get some vision for something beyond that job. Get a vision. Get a vision. Start a company. Something. Listen, I'm telling you, I I believe that in this day and time, God is empowering believers in Jesus Christ to overcome poverty and not simply by prayer. But by action. By prayer and action. Prayer should lead to inspiration and inspiration should lead to action. The problem is we've been dreaming for 20, 30 years and ain't doing nothing. You talk to somebody, what is your dream? Oh, I've had this dream since I was 12 years old. I'm going to do such and such. Well, what are you doing? I'm waiting on the Lord. No, get up and fight the good fight. Deliverance was a divine act. That took no participation on behalf of the people of God. God sent the plagues on Egypt. God led them by a fire by night and a cloud by day. God parted the waters of the Red Sea and drowned Pharaoh's army. But when it came time to enter into their destiny, God said, now get you some swords and some spears and some shields. See, some of you think you're crossing the Red Sea. You already crossed that when you came to faith in Jesus Christ. Now you're crossing the Jordan to enter into your destiny. When they crossed the Red Sea, God parted the waters and they walked on dry ground. But when they crossed the, the, the Jordan, they had to get their feet wet. Get hungry. You got to get hungry. And secondly, you got to go hunting. You got to go hunting. You got to go looking for something. You got to go looking for something. You want a deeper walk with the Lord? Then go hunting for it. You want to take a step towards your destiny? Then take that step. In the body of Christ, first we've forgotten how to dream. But one of the reasons why we've forgotten how to dream is because we've forgotten how to act upon our dreams. And we think every time we do something, it's the flesh. That's the lie of the enemy. No, no, no. You're taking a step ahead of God. No, you better step back. Oh. Ten years goes by. You take a step. No, 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 no. Don't get ahead of God. Wait for God. Let me tell you something. God has left you behind so long ago. (laughs) You need to take 15, 20 steps to catch up with him. You got to try something. You got to do something. And this is the fundamental key. See, the thing I want you to understand is that in the church, we have a penchant for order. We believe that things should be decent and in order. And because of that, we have protocols. You know, one of our protocols is not just anybody can come to the altar and lay hands on folks. 
If somebody comes to the altar to lay hands on folks who has not been trained and appointed to do so by the leadership of this church, somebody's going to take you aside and sit you down and say, thank you so much for reaching for Jesus. But uh, -uh, no, that ain't the way it works here. You must be appointed to lay hands at the altar. And even you notice there's certain ways people lay hands on the altar. Some people put their hand on the shoulder. Why? Because they haven't been authorized to lay hands on the head. That's a sign of authority and it's a sign of covering. There's order. You see, we don't believe in parking lot prophecy. You know, somebody in the parking lot that you never know. And even, even those that have been authorized to prophesy, there is a certain protocol around that. You know, no prophesying dates, mates, direction, or correction. You know, somebody you have no responsibility for in the spirit, but you're going to give them a prophetic word to change their life. I believe the Lord said you're supposed to move to Texas. And then they pack up and move to Texas and everything falls apart in their life. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. You can encourage you can say, I just, the Lord told me to tell you that he's with you, that he's, you. go ahead, go for that. Yeah. Prophesy that in the bathroom, in the parking lot, on the street corner, wherever you are, but no dates, mates, protection, or correction. Yeah. That's the prophetic protocol that governs this house. But let me tell you something. We can get so caught up in protocols, yeah. in policies, in procedures, in rules and regulations that we kill the freedom of the people of God. And that's not what we're trying to do. Pretty soon we're on these leashes that we call policies and procedures and protocol. And it can convince you that you can't hear from God. But what is our first core value? Inspiration. What is the guiding principle that goes with it? Do what the Spirit tells you to do when He tells you to do it. Underneath that guiding principle is this fundamental presupposition. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you can hear from God. You can know what he wants you to do. You can say what he wants you to say. You can go where he wants you to go. And on a daily basis, it's not confined to the four walls of the church. But you are free to be the man of God or a woman of God. You are free to bring the kingdom of God in the marketplace. You are free to bring the kingdom of God at Safeway and at, at Lucky's and at the gas station and at Costco. Somebody needs to bring the kingdom of God at Costco. Because it's too much food and it's too cheap. It's about me taking responsibility. fundamentally every believer in Jesus Christ needs to believe I can hear from God. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice, a stranger. They will not follow, but domestication leads you to believe, well, I better just wait for somebody to tell me what to do. Cause I don't think I can hear God and know what to do. I don't think I can step out and pray for anybody. I don't think I can give a prophetic word to anybody. I can't pray for healing for anybody. Cause that's the leadership of the church. And that's the pastors. Let me tell you something. You need to break out of that zoo today. I'm telling you that if anything we've done has locked you up in that zoo, I'm setting you free from that zoo right now. I'm telling you, I want you to try it. And if you fall on your face, we're going to pick you back up, brush you off, bandage you up and push you back out there and say, now go do it again. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. It's time for the people of God to get free to be the people of God. Let me tell you something. Wherever you are, you are the people of God. You don't magically become the people of God when you come into the four walls of the church. It's not the policies of the church that make you the people of God. There's something greater. You know, a lion in the wild is not trained. There is no training. You ever been in the wild and seen a school of lions? Now, this is how you hunt. There's something inside of a lion that says, I got to hunt something. I mean, even baby cub lions, they grow up saying, I got to kill me something. 
I'm a hunt me. Look at these claws. These claws were made for something. I got to find out what they're made for. I'm going to hunt me a chicken if that's all I can hunt right now as a little baby cub. But one day I'm going to hunt me some buck or some elk or something. I'm going to take me down a buffalo. You're a child of God. There's something in you that doesn't need training. There's a Holy Ghost instinct on the inside of you. And if you would get out of the zoo and into the wild, that instinct will activate. If you break free of that domestication, that instinct will activate. Listen, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit and living the Spirit-filled life, you wake up in the morning feeling like, I got to heal something today. I got to set somebody free today. Somebody needs a word from God today. I got to defeat the work of the devil somewhere today. I got to manifest the kingdom of God. Listen, if you haven't felt that in a long time, it's time to stir up that impulse. It's already in you. I don't mean that you need an impartation of the spirit to do it. You've already got the impartation of the spirit. You need activation. And that activation comes by faith. Just believing. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison door. Sets the captives free. i got a river of life springing out of me. Come on, you need to say it. i got a river of life springing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors and sets captives free. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. Amen. It's in you already. It's in you already, but you've got to get out of the zoo. When Jesus called his disciples, said, come and follow me. He invited them into the life of the wild. He invited them to break out of the zoo, the religious zoo they were living in. And they were hungry for something more. They were tired of the stale diet of readings from the law in the mornings and readings from the prophets in the the evenings along with a, a, a dry word from the rabbis about the demands of the covenant. They were hungry for something real. They were hungry for something more. And Jesus came to break them out of their religious zoo. He came to say, come and follow me and we're going to do stuff that's off book. We're going to we're going to travel in uncharted territory. We're going to do stuff that they say we can't do. We're going to eat food without washing our hands and tick off all of the Pharisees and Sadducees. We're going to touch dead people and tick them off even more. We're going to open blind eyes and leave them having theological uh, discussions about how we could do that when we're all sinners. We're going to pull money out of fish's mouth and we're going to walk on water and we're going to command wind into waves to be still. We're going to curse fig trees. You never seen any of this stuff in the book. I'm taking you off the books. I'm taking you into the wild where anything can happen and I'm going to teach you that all things are possible for him who believes. But I'm not talking about caged up zoo faith. Caged up zoo faith tells you what you can believe and how much you can believe for it. Caged up zoo faith confronts you with the realm of, of, of impossibility and says you're limited within these confines. But faith in the wild says nothing is impossible to him who believes. Faith... Faith in the wild. I'm choking on my while I'm trying to preach. <laughs> Pray for him. Faith in the wild believes that no matter where I go or what I do, every moment, the atmosphere is pregnant with possibility for the glory of God to be released. The atmosphere is pregnant. Something's about to happen. Something's about to break out. Come on, you gotta believe that. You gotta live that life and you gotta walk around like a lion looking for the devil. I wish the devil would. I wish he I wish I'd find him sitting in my seat. I wish the devil would step on my toe. Not looking around for a fight with people. Too many people in the body of Christ are looking for a fight with other people. I'm looking for a fight with the devil. 
I'm looking for a good fight and not a fight God hasn't called me to fight, but a fight that God has called me to fight. I'm walking towards my destiny and I wish some would stand in my way because I'm going right through it by the power of God and in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. Make a decision. Resolve. I'm talking about the resolve to reclaim the wild. The resolve to reclaim the wild. That is the call of the hour. That is the call of the spirit of God. The resolve to reclaim the wild. You know, oftentimes we talk about stuff in the body of Christ. We say we need to be leading people to Jesus. And somebody will always say, we need training. Are you going to train us? We need seminars. We need books. The greatest problem with Western Christianity is that we think we've studied it. We think we've done it when we've studied it. We write books on evangelism, but don't evangelize. We do studies on healing, but don't pray for the sick. The call of the wild simply says, I believe it's in me. So I'm going to do it. And I'm going to figure it out on the way. I know this is the kind of life I'm supposed to live. It doesn't mean I'm going to do it perfect, but if I fall, I'm going to get up and do it again. You know why? Because it's in me. It's instinct. It's instinct. It's core to who I am. Let me tell you something. You don't need any more training. You don't need any more information. You don't need any more anointing. You don't need any more. You got enough anointing on you to fry you like catfish. You got enough knowledge. The average believer in this church right now has enough knowledge to be a pastor of a church in the third world in some places. If you've been to Sunday school, you know more than a lot of even mature Christians in the third world in in places where they don't have so much information. We're in the midst of an information explosion, but a spiritual implosion. And what we find in the third world everywhere we go is people with a tenth of the information you have are simply making a decision to go do it. And they're planting churches and healing the sick and raising the dead and casting out demons. Let me tell you something. You can live that kind of lifestyle if you make a decision to reclaim the wild. Reclaim the wild. Break out of the script. Break out of the box. Not only is God greater than you could ever imagine, but he is greater in you than you could ever imagine. And all of the limitations that you think surround your life, They are not real limitations. They're demonic lies. You are more than a conqueror. Nothing can cage you up. Nothing can hold you back. And the moment you realize that you've been, you've been domesticated and been living in that zoo at that very moment, you are empowered by the spirit of God to break out and to walk free. Let's bow our heads. Father, I pray today in the name of the Lord Jesus. That your spirit would fall heavy. Father, I pray not for impartation, but for activation. Lord, we've been imparting for so long. Impart, impart, impart. And we've begun to believe that the people of God are missing something. I need an impartation for this. I need an impartation for that. God, we don't need any more impartations. We need to act on what we have. The scripture says you've given each of us a measure of faith. God, I pray that we would recognize that measure of faith. That we would value it and see it as significant. Even if it's the size of a mustard seed, it can move mountains, curse fig trees. Break bondage, set captives free. Father, today I pray 
that that holy rage would rise up in the hearts and minds of your people. When the devil hits you in the eye that you're not going to go home and cry to daddy, you're going to hit him back. You're praying about stuff that you should be taking dominion over. You're asking God to move stuff that he expects you to move. You need to make a decision. I'm not going to stand here and get hit by the devil. I'm going to hit back. I'm taking hit back. I'm taking vengeance on my enemies. I'm taking vengeance. If the devil hits me, I'm coming after him. I'm going to take so many souls out of his kingdom. I'm going to take so many lives. I'm going to break the back of sickness off of people's lives. I am coming after the devil. I'm taking his territory. He's going to be afraid of me when he sees me come. Come on, make a decision. You are more than a conqueror. Some of you came to church this morning thinking, I need deliverance. No, let me tell you something. You need to know how mighty you are. You need to know how powerful you are. The devil needs deliverance from you, not the other way around. In this world, we see Al-Qaeda as the terrorists. In this world, the devil looks like the terrorist to us. But in his world, we're the terrorists. He's got our pictures on the wall. Armed and dangerous. Approach with caution. If you see one of these, call 911. But whatever you do, don't approach them on your own. They will take you out. They are armed and dangerous. They can't be defeated. They're washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. They're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. They're called by God the Father. They are sons of the kingdom of God. They are sons of the light. And they are the righteous. And it is time for the righteous to shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. make a decision. I'm going to reclaim the wild. I'm tired of being a domesticated Christian. Always waiting around to get fed. Waiting around for meat to be laid inside my cage. No, I'm going out in the wild and I'm going hunting for something. I want you to come back to church next Sunday with a word that you didn't hear from any preacher. I want you to come back with some revelation that you didn't get from a podcast, that you didn't get from a preacher. You didn't get it from another brother or sister. You went hunting. You went after God in the wild. Every day, your claws are sharp. Your teeth are sharp. Your reflexes are super fast. He said, if you seek me, You'll find me when you search for me with all your heart. I speak the blessing of the Lord over you today in the name of Jesus. I speak strength and encouragement over you right now in the name of Jesus. And I say it's done. Now what I want you to do right now in the name of Jesus, I want you to just pray. I want you to just pray and break out of that cage. Break out of that zoo. Some of you need to break out of that that zoo of silence. You not only live in the zoo, you live in the silent zoo. You need to learn how to roar again. You need to learn how to open your mouth again. You need to learn how to make some noise. Come on, go after it.
Break out of your comfort zone right now. Break out of your comfort zone. Make a decision. You're breaking out of that comfort zone. It's standing between you and your destiny. Living in that comfort zone, you're living outside of your destiny. You can have your destiny, but you can't have it in comfort at the same time. Break out. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, we thank you. 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 Come on, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Open your mouth and just break out. Break out. Break out. Break out. Break out. Break out. Yes, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, fall heavy on this house right now. Holy Spirit, fall mightily on this house right now. Fall mightily on everyone, every son, every daughter. Activate, 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 activate. I speak an activation of the Holy Ghost power on the inside of you. I speak an activation of it in Jesus' name. Some of you saw miracles on the mission field. You're going to see miracles here. You're going to see miracles in the Bay Area. You're going to see miracles in your family, in your household, at the grocery store. Come on. Break out. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on. blessing over this house right now in the name of Jesus and I say that there's an outbreak among us there's an outbreak of Holy Ghost power there's an outbreak there's a resolve I'm gonna reclaim the wild I'm gonna reclaim the wild I'm not living caged up in a zoo anymore I'm gonna reclaim the wild I'm breaking out I'm breaking out come on begin to say it I'm breaking out I'm breaking out I'm breaking out come on say it I'm breaking out say it loud I'm breaking out not living there anymore I'm not going to be domesticated I'm going back to the wild I'm going to learn how to hunt I'm not waiting to be fed I'm going to learn to feed in Jesus name now come on just give God a shout of praise come on give him a shout of praise give him a shout of praise hallelujah hallelujah amen you're going to do it you're going to live it you're going to live it don't be hearers of the word only be doers you're gonna do it you're gonna do it you're not just gonna dream it you're gonna do it amen god bless you we are dismissed come on give god a shout of praise one more time we're just